Hey everybody, Matt from the War Room Ramble. And what you're about to listen to is not the usual ramble. It's something new. Season 2. It's what we're calling the all-new format, and it's way different. And we definitely wanted to tell you guys beforehand uh, that... It's, It's as different as Jelly and Jam. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, th- this has got bits. It does. Uh, we also, uh, <laughs> for, for, the, for the ones who are regular listeners, you still have an opportunity to comment to us uh, using the voicemail. Uh, I, have, uh, uh, I will give you guys a link in Rocky's War Room uh, community group uh, on Facebook where you guys can just click the link. Or you can go to Spotify or Google Podcasts and find the War Room Ramble and click the send a voicemail button and uh, we'll play it uh, on our podcast live. And we even had one from our foreign correspondent, uh, which we'll talk to um, a little bit later. But uh, we just want to let you guys know that there's no filter <laughs> on the no show whatsoever. Filter. So uh, we wanted to prepare you for that instead of the shock and awe that you, you, that you would get. So listeners of a gentle persuasion would be advised to exercise discretion. I, I don't know, Nacho, help me out here. Uh, wh- it's it's definitely a different show, and it's worth. Yeah, it. it's fun, and we can it, do, it's, we're more ourselves, I think. Yeah. So the the thing about the the show is, it's going to go on lots of different tangents, but the main topic is still going to be wargaming related. It's still going to be a good conversation, and uh, we do encourage you to uh, comment, uh, send us a voicemail, uh, and at the beginning of each show. We'll go ahead and do kind of a mail call. Mail call. There you go. Uh, so, you know, we'd love to hear from you, the listener. That's right. If you like what you're hearing, let us know. If you don't like what you're hearing, let us know. We'll probably We're not ignore care. it. We're not <laughs> <laughs> and please, uh, but, please spread the word. We, uh, but th- yeah, spread but the word. Do understand, it is definitely. Yeah, we're that we're the Howard Stern of radio shows. There you go. That's yeah. bold. That's bold. <clears throat> well, I'd say it's not your normal wargaming show, especially when you started off with. Well, anyway, you guys will hear. So, uh, like we said, listeners of a gentle persuasion would be advised to exercise discretion. We will. <laughs> we're just giving you a fair warning, and and you know what? Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt from Rocky's War Room, and welcome to the War Room Ramble, our prequel show. This is the first prequel show for season two. Uh, we do have a season one. I'm going to be downloading all of those to our podcast on Anchor FM. And as usual, if you guys want to leave us a voicemail, uh, it's something new. You just go to Anchor FM, uh, Spotify, I believe you can find it there as well. And you can leave us a voicemail, and we will play it in the show. Uh, you, if you guys talking or responding to something we talked about or anything in this episode, uh, I think it'll be really awesome for us to do mail call, mail call at the beginning of every one of our podcasts where we hear from you guys and then we can have a light discussion about it. Uh, but since we don't have any voicemails yet, wah, wah, uh, I will introduce the crew. Uh, so tonight we have with us is Todd. Hey fellas. <laughs> hey Todd, did that guy find Holy his Holy shit, kid? he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Hippie. Ahoy, ahoy. Ahoy, ahoy. Uh, Howdy, folks. And, of course, McMurray. <coughs> Hurry now! <laughs> uh, in tonight's show, we're going to have 
uh, a, a McMurray, uh, one of his famous rants, um, uh, probably one of my most uh, favorite ones so far. Uh, one? And we're going to have uh, Hippie's uh, philosophical discussion. Bullshit. Uh, um, Bullshit. Hippie's masterpiece. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a Star Wars minute with Not Jay, which is normally not a minute, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, so uh, uh, we'll hear the goat. We'll hear the goat. Uh, so we're just going to start off the show talking about something we've been talking about and we could probably talk about forever about and That's jelly donuts. We promised it in our trailer, so we're going to do it. Uh, so jelly donuts, fellas. My favorite is strawberry. I love strawberry. I don't like the sugar kind. I like the powdered kind. First off, what, what kind? <laughs> strawberry jelly filled. No, you said, yeah. the, you said the powder kind? Yes, uh, uh, there's a powdered jelly donut. Yes. Yeah, that you know yeah. what that powder is? Sugar. I don't like the sugar can have I like the powder kind. What type of powder are you putting on your damn donuts? I like the powdered oh, sugar over yeah. regular just the sugar. Like the sugar. You know, they have the sugar but powdered sugar. Ah, like Jesus. This, not but every sweet. now and then you catch that donut that's like twenty five cups of coffee and only lasts like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's the good sugar. Yeah, I read that I read, I, I read about that in a picture book, McMurray. <laughs> yeah. I love those kinds of books. Oh my god. Let me ask but, you guys a question. Sure. Does a pope shit in the woods? <laughs> Only if he's wearing a funny hat. Okay. <laughs> oh my it's actually a toilet paper dispenser. Let's be honest here. If we're talking about jelly donuts, yep. you have to quote the modern warrior poet. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, Ich bin ein Berliner. Yes. Other yep. fantastic quotes by JFK are, never get off the boat. And, you know what? It'd be a really nice day for a drive with the top down. <laughs> also, I disagree. Raspberry is the best flavor of jelly donuts. <coughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm with uh, I'm with you, uh, McMurray. Raspberry. Oh. You know yeah. what, though? You know what? I hate jelly donuts. What? Get out. You love no, raspberry. I, I, hate, I hate jelly donuts because... Fuck off. I... <laughs> 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 uh, fuck you. And now another uh, philosophical discussion. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> I will Bullshit. say, I like, I like donuts in general, but without filling, because let me tell you why I don't like the filling. When you when you get a filling, please do. When you get a, when you get a donut with a filling in it, right? And you go to eat it, it gets everywhere. It spills out of the thing. It does all. No, you're I'm doing not, it wrong. Yeah, well, you, you know what? There's no right it. way to eat a jelly donut because it still gets everywhere. It's nope. There's no false. magic way to eat it. Nope. No. You are wrong. No. False. This is a professional wrong. study. Wrong. Let, let's let's uh, okay. let's find out how to eat the, how we eat a jelly donut the right way. Then go ahead. You tell me how to do it. You cut it in half. All right. Look, you no, wrong. What the hell is wrong with you? You cut it in half, you're gonna squirt everything out the hole. The first bite you eat out of a jelly donut is the bite with the hole in it. Right. Because then the jelly has nowhere to escape. Exactly. From there, you rotate the donut vertically. That's like the that's like the asshole of the donut, though. I don't want to think of the asshole of the donut. You never you know what? We're all assholes. So what does it matter? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got an asshole. Why you got a problem with eating one? <laughs> anyway, 
anyways, this is why you're so single. First fight you oh take out of a donut. <laughs> From there, you rotate the donut vertically so that all of the jelly collects in the bottom. You eat into the donut, getting as much jelly. If you let it cool at the bottom, you're right. You might have a little bit of spill. If you keep it so that it is some moderate pressure on there so that with each bite you get some jelly, by the time you get down to half of the donut, you rotate it so that you're not biting across the top of the donut. You're biting in line with the, the trench. God. You can eat the rest of the donut in three bites. God, I feel out of my fucking chair. <laughs> So, Todd. Uh, Todd, you want to weigh in? I'm no longer a fan of jelly donuts. <laughs> I like to point oh out that God. 10 minutes ago, Todd supported raspberry. Okay. Good God. <laughs> for sure. This was... Can we see a picture book of what you're talking about? <laughs> this shit's pretty You're called Hustler. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's Jelly Donuts. Uh, we'll okay. be right back. <laughs> Time for Hippie's Masterpiece Theater, where he has a philosophical discussion. Bullshit. Bullshit. Go ahead. Bullshit! <laughs> a little late on that one. I was drinking beer, I'm sorry. So, Hippie, I understand you have something you'd like to speak about with us. What is it? Uh, we're going to talk about why the 300 is bullshit. Oh, my God. Thank God. I love that movie. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about why the 300 is just complete bullshit. So we can start at the beginning, which is going to be mind-boggling. But there's a scene where Leonidas is talking to people, and he's, like, talking about the Athenians and how they're boy lovers, which totally glosses over the fact that most Spartans were <laughs> actually gay. Like he was, too. <laughs> Huh? That he was too? Oh, Wait a minute. he totally, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa. absolutely was. Whoa. And uh, the Spartans. fact that not only did they sleep with, like, people that were close to them in their lachas, in their regiment, uh, or their lachas, uh, their, their company, but they also were, like, engaging in, like, you know, homosexual activities all the time with their trainers when they were kids. They were like totally pedophiles too because they were like totally hooking up with teenagers and, and youth when they were 
in the uh, in the Quora. And uh, yeah, so that they were like complete and total like boy lovers themselves. And not let's talk about the fact that we never see a helot in the entire movie. And Sparta was only built because of its insane reliance upon slave labor um, the, from the conquered region. The Lacanian region, as well the, as the... The Lacanjuians? Yes. The, the, yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the they showed... Jewians, the Lacanjuians showed them how to get to Persia. Uh, <laughs> 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 Oh, all right. So, <laughs> I think I just so, heard what Sacagaweans. Is that what you just said? I think Matt might have just shit himself. So then, so then there's also this issue with you know only 300 Spartans being at uh, Thermopylae, which is complete bullshit, and they portray it as like the, the what is it the Arcadians, uh, or the correct pronunciation. Arcadians, uh, so they, they claim that like they were there with them, and it was only them and the Spartans, and then the Lacomedians were like, and the Lacomedians, god damn it. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Arc- you, gotta, you gotta be saying stupid shit now. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the this segment brought are... to you by McMurray. <laughs> McMurray Rants. This segment dumbed down by McMurray. (laughs) So the the Arcadians were like the only ones there, when in fact there were like anywhere between 9,000 and 10,000 Greeks at Thermopylae that were defending that pass. And they don't talk about it at all in the movie. They treat it like it's just the Spartans and the Arcadians. And in fact, it was like, you know, 20 city-states and probably probably more. It was... It was it was a lot. There was a lot. There were there were the Thespians, the Malians, the Thebans, the Phocians, the Locrians, the Philians, the Corinthians, the Arcadians. Yeah, uh, hey, were those the guys with the the, uh, the, the leather? Tapians, it wasn't just a frat uh, the party. The Mantineans. Yeah. It was it was it was it was it was it was a sausage fest the entire yeah. way around. And not mm-hmm. to mention that okay, so on the last day, most of these uh, men who had been fighting and dying in the past were told to retreat by uh, Leonidas. However, not all of them did. So besides besides the uh, the Spartans and all of their helots, by the way, and it's important to keep in mind that for every Spartan, there was between one and three helot slaves that were attending to them in multiple ways. Um, also fighting. So, yeah, also fighting. So there would have been, like, so if there were 300 Spartans, there would have been at least... 300 helots but probably more like 900 helots that were also there and so they were like they're like the unsung heroes of Thermopylae and like like the way that they demonize the Persians in this is ridiculous so like one of the cool things about the Persians is that they actually were like the Romans in a lot of ways so they conquered regions but then they brought like stability to that region and then introduced things that didn't exist before in those regions and made life better for the people living under them to the point where it was like, it was brilliant. Not all the time. Sometimes, you know, Darius was a complete asshole. And so was Xerxes. So, so wait a minute. But, was this before or after Lewis and Clark? 
It was after. Yeah, I watched it like 45 minutes after Almost Heroes. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it actually picks up right after Rogue One. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it slides right into uh, Baby Yoda. right into the uh, the scroll scene. Fl- slides right in like a Spartan with his uh, with his little companion. Yeah, you yodeling. Come on, you, yeah. Yodeling. There was some yodeling, all right. Ford <laughs> saving Private Ryan. Now, hippie. Huh? I, I I'm I'm I I've got to think that you are perfectly aware of the fact that the movie the 300 or 300 is not based off of history but based off of the graphic novel yeah yeah i'm aware of that it's based off of the graphic novel yep okay here's my problem um as i'm sure you have seen and apparently you've read the picture book um but also the movie. The picture book. <laughs> I love how you the picture book. Like it's fucking green eggs and a ham. <laughs> it would have been more. Hey, look, look here. Look here. Say that book would have been more entertaining if Shel Silverstein would have wrote it. Fight me. Um, but so anyways, uh, so I'm sure you've seen that. And it, it's really weird. There's this like, weird like cinematic. They got the music playing all dramatic, and it's in slow motion. But all the Spartans are doing is helping these elephants like go swim, right? Um, like, the elephants didn't know how to dive, and the Spartans were like, no, nah, dog. Like, you remember that swim instructor when you were, like, four, who, like, had you get down, like, almost in the fetal position, but you're on your feet, and then, like, point your hands out in front of you, and then he just, like, pushed you into the water to learn you how to dive? Like the Greeks, like the Spartans are doing that for these elephants, and these Persian guys think they're dicks for it. Um, I don't know. Was it not hot at Thermopylae? The picture book. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to. What are you talking about? Like, elephants? What are you talking about? So in the movie, um, <laughs> at one point in time, so they're on that trail, right? Like down by the water. It looks really romantic, like the place you would definitely take a lady if you were gonna like. This is why you're propose or try to score. Um, and but there's all these guys who are fighting over it because they obviously all want to score, and apparently it's the only place in Greece where you can score. Um, so, so the elephants go over there because you know the elephants want to get after it too. Um, and there's this whole like there's a scene in 300 in the movie. Like, did you see the movie? I did. I did see the movie, but I, tried, I can't remember this elephant scene. Yeah. So there's a scene right, and they like it's after. Which makes no sense because little... there are no elephants at Thermopylae. I'm aware. That's why I'm asking the question. Um, oh, okay. Also, I'm just pitching it like they wanted to go swimming and the Greeks helped them. Uh, like so, it's the one scene in that movie with boats. Like, okay, so I remember I remember the scene with the boats where like they were they were splashing up against the rocks because of a storm that came through, destroyed the fleet. You can see them from underwater. Yeah, it's like the same scene, like. They show the Greeks running a bunch of elephants off cliffs. My point was, it's dog shit. You're absolutely right. The movie's terrible. Don't worry. It is. It's it's complete bullshit. What about 300 it's, Part Two? There's a 300 Part Two. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's not. It's it's uh it's, it has to do with the Athenians yeah. and uh, more. Sh- I don't know. If I more believe you meant to stuff. say the Atlanteans. Boat stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah you you meant the Atlanteans. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Matt doesn't know the difference. Well, uh, yeah. That was. 
picture book. I'm still on the damn picture book. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't catch a fuck you from our fearless leader on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, that was Hippie's Masterpiece Theater. Uh, and that was, that was a, a uh, philosophical uh, discussion. Bullshit. Bullshit. That was a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back, guys. Well, there I was the other day, I was sitting down eating peanuts, painting, using my crayons, and coloring in the Panthers in my tank coloring book, and I thought, you know what, Tad? <laughs> you can go eat a Sherman. I ragged about stuff! And yes, he does. <laughs> uh, now it's time for McMurray's rant. We uh, call it the crotch cam rant, but you can't see it anymore, so therefore he's just not wearing pants. So, uh, McMurray... <laughs> uh... So I, I I can't remember the last rant you had. I, I don't know if you've had one in a while, but we're going to let you go with whatever you'd like to rant about this evening. And um, uh, listeners, a reminder out there, you can leave us a voicemail at Anchor FM uh, to respond to um, uh, McMurray's rants. And we'll play them live or not live, but we'll play them in the podcast so you all can hear the uh, uh, lovely um, answers to McMurray's rants. So don't forget about that. You can leave us a voicemail and we will play them. So, McMurray, tell us, sir, what have you, what's been on your mind? What has chapped your ass? You know what really chaps my ass, Matt? I had this British guy, right, um, talking just lengths up and down and all this stupid stuff about, you know, oh, single-handedly we won the war. And then, you know, inevitably there's this Russian idiot who jumps in. He's like, we had 23 million casualties. First off, I'd like to point Why out that when casualties are inflicted on yourself, three to one, they don't count. Get out of here. Get your numbers, <laughs> take your numbers, and go play with the kindergartners, because that doesn't count. <laughs> like, kindergartner goes, I spilled all my milk! Yeah, but you drank three quarters of it first, so why don't you shut up? Um, so, what chaps my ass today, particularly today, uh, Lend-Lease, you're welcome, assholes! Like, Hey, good job, Russia. You're right. You were able you were able to throw human hordes at the Nazis. You know what makes that a lot easier? Having food. You know what makes it a whole lot easier for your little drones to get gunned down by your own commissars? Them wearing boots. You're welcome. You know what makes it really good to get into the front? Trains, locomotives, flatbed cars, cattle cars. When 80% of the trains in the Soviet Union were manufactured in the US of A. Woo! By 1942 or 43, you're welcome. Good job. Thank God you could herd your people into a men like it was a meat grinder. Meanwhile, God knows how many tank divisions were equipped with M3s and Shermans and everything else. You're welcome. By the way, also, Great Britain, you're not off the hook on this one at all. Remember that time you guys were having real, real big troubles with, uh, you know, U-boats and stuff? AKA World War One, and uh, you were crapping your pants for most of the 1930s? Yeah. You're welcome for all those destroyers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did it cost you guys? Like, oh, man, our empire is in massive decay. Well, we'll pawn chunks of it off to the Americans. We'll call it destroyers for bases. <laughs> You're welcome. Tell, tell us how you really feel, man. You're welcome. Industrial might happened in the First World War, and you guys were like, hey, America, uh, guns and shit fast enough? Can you make stuff for us? Sure. America. Again, you're welcome for all the Shermans. Everybody's like, they took and made the Firefly and it was the best tank ever. 
Why is Mickey Mouse showing up? Are you kidding me? Was that Mickey there? Because I don't need to deal with their un-American Mickey Mouse bullshit. Okay? So, again, tell me how well all of your Cromwells and whatnot worked out when they were broken down in maintenance depots all across Europe. You're welcome for the Sherman. Hey, 30 Corps, how did all those Cromwells work out? The views and opinions of Big Murray do not affect that of the show. Because it didn't. It didn't. The one good thing the British ever did for World War II and the war effort was make upwards of one trillion, hats off to you guys, because that legitimately is amazing, rounds of 303 British, and just maintain the Vickers, which is hands down the best medium and heavy machine gun ever made, period. End of story. Not end of rant, though, because you're still not off the hook. Okay. Who let him talk? Was it me? Yeah, that was a poor decision. Yeah, that probably oh, was. When a quarter of the GDP is gone to, like, propping up foreign allies, like, come on, man. The best part is America was neutral until Pearl Harbor. Horse shit! Yeah, America was totally neutral. Here, have 100-something destroyers. <laughs> have, like, everything that we make. It's all you. Enjoy. That being said, the funniest part of the entire thing is America, you're welcome. In winning the war, you're welcome. Um, committed less in terms of in, uh, so the U.S. in World War II, Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, committed 125 divisions, right? Okay, so Todd might have died. Um, <laughs> Todd, the Krauts couldn't even knock off those dumb commies with 150 divisions, which is more than that. And all we did was send them a bunch of trucks and food and boots and jeeps and tanks, and trains, and ammo, and rifles, um, and technology. Uh, oh, wait, what? Sorry, that turned into one of those moments like in Life of Brian when they're listing what the Romans did for him. Yeah. Stalin, you can eat a bag of dicks. Shouldn't eat a head of seat at Yalta. Uh, all right. Uh, Nache, your thoughts? <laughs> hey, I'm right there with him. I, I hear people, I used to hear people all the time talk about how the Soviets single-handedly, yeah, yeah lend-lease, you left bitches. Todd, you left Todd speechless. <laughs> I find that Todd's a classy individual, so it wouldn't surprise me if I did that quite frequently. Yeah. Well, uh, But no, seriously, thanks for you're sharing. welcome for lend-lease world. Yeah. <laughs> thanks yeah. for sharing, Again. <laughs> So... So and he, 13, he rants, and he rants. 13 people died yeah, every second go. on the Eastern Front yep. from the beginning of Operation yeah. Barbarossa until the end of the war in Berlin. Uh, you know how many people that would have been without locomotives to get those 12 Soviets every second? Probably more like 12 and a half Soviets Nache, it's been a every minute. second on the Eastern Front. <laughs> Zero. Because Moscow would have fallen. Stalingrad would have fallen. You know how many trains it takes to get Ukrainians into a meat grinder? A lot. Hey, let's not talk about Ukrainians, right? God bless. No, I'm saying God bless the Ukrainians. It's been a minute. They got screwed worse than a. <laughs> Anyways, worse than a propeller on that one. I, I like the uh, the the. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And again, to all of you people in the UK, I'm sorry that I ranted at you. You're still welcome. But I'm sorry that I ranted at you. Again, McMurray. Thank you. 
Thank you for that. I'm sorry that we had to come in and help you guys out <laughs> the second time. You guys got into the first one, and you guys were like, it's the war, it ain't no wars. And so America's like, fine, all right, we'll do it. We'll help you out. It'll finish all the rest of them. And then 20 years later, it's like, are you guys really? kidding me? It's been Again? <laughs> With I, I the wars. That, I would say that was Germany's fault, though. Mm, maybe. Wait, which one? The first one? The second, well, no, the second one. No, I don't know. I mean, it was. The weird thing about that, though, is, like, Czechoslovakia, right, at the time, fully, like, elected government, you know, pe the people had a say in things. Nazi Germany takes over Czechoslovakia. Again, Matt, we need that cricket soundboard. Like, doo -doo -doo -doo. nobody give a shit. Crickets. Poland, Crickets. like a monarchy, the Soviets and the Nazis invade, and everybody's like, oh, my God, Germany's the devil. <laughs> that's the other thing that the Soviets need to shut the hell up about. Oh, like, my Lord. They started the war. They invaded Poland. You assholes invaded Poland too. And you were every bit as much of dicks to the Poles as the Nazis were. You know who uncovered the massacre in the, in the Katyn Forest? Well, if that in the pot calling the kettle black, but the Nazis did. Um, the point is, communists are dicks. Don't do it. It's a bad deal. Uh-uh. Hard no. Cool. My generation needs to hear that more than anybody else. <laughs> and on that note that almost just spawned a whole nother rant about dickheads I see wearing Che Guevara, Guevara shirts who oh. Che Guevara would have personally shot in the head but that's not the point Okay. don't do it kids, don't do communism not even once try all the things you want to but don't even try communism once uh, well I'm glad McMurray that uh You've had this opportunity to uh, share your thoughts. So Come uh, back next week for yeah. my thoughts on Belgrade. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I guess we'll be back. <laughs>
Yodeling? Baby Yoda's what everybody's called. Yeah, the Yodeling. Yodeling? Yeah. Yodeling. Really? Roll with it. You're eating into my 60 seconds, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- I saw the the best uh, tweet the other day. Somebody said, Yodling. I would set Baby Groot on fire to keep Baby Yoda warm. I loved that. Because everybody everybody is, was just completely agog about Baby Groot. And then we get Yodeling showing up. Groot is And awesome. people are losing their shit about this thing. I know. Nobody. Nobody has a bad thing to say. All of the hate and vitriol that's out there about Star Wars evaporated mm-hmm. until this most recent episode, but we won't go into that. <sighs> it evaporated. Don't give anything away. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying the yodeling, the baby Yoda, if you will, has brought a convergence of I... all the love for Star Wars back to where it needs to be. Everybody loves the Yodeling, and I love it. It's great. It's one of the best things to ever happen to Star Wars. John Favreau, you're a genius. It's a reptilian Ewok. I'm out. Uh, that was Rebuttals. The uh, Star Wars minute. <laughs> Rebuttals against yodeling. Are yodeling? Yo- yodeling? 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 How are you I having a Mandalorian or whatever else Nache was talking about? But what? I disagree. What? What? I haven't seen the Mandalorian or the other movie you were talking about, but I disagree, and you're probably wrong. What? <laughs> Uh, I'm, uh, hey, okay. hey, McMurray. McMurray. Hey, hey, McMurray. Just, just Look, Soviets trying to take credit for uh, World War II. <laughs> Your world. You're welcome. Signed, America. <laughs> you just break the, glass, break the ceiling there, huh? I don't know. Damn. Just damn. Not saying America's perfect, but I am saying you're all welcome. You're not speaking German. Twice. Ich spreche Deutsch. Oh, man. Well, wasn't it Kitty that said Ich ein Berliner? I mean, that was Kennedy, yeah. yeah. That was JFK, but yeah. That was Kennedy. Said Kennedy. Okay, so what you're talking about is Baby Yoda is bringing Star Wars back for everybody. No, it's not that it's bringing it back. It's just every, everybody stopped bitching about how Disney is destroying Star Wars. Right. I don't know. I like I like Jar Jar Binks. Get that's out. not the point. No, see, the, 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 that's mean, exactly what I'm out. talking about. I wasn't There's people with Jar Jar Binks. Love, <laughs> people love Jar Jar Binks. People hate Jar Jar Binks. People love the new uh, sequel Star Wars. People hate with great vitriol. Great vitriol. Of the new Star Wars movies that have come out in the last couple of years. But the Mandalorian and the Yodeling 
stopped all of it. Well, it, up, up well, until I don't know about that, strong, though. Well, yeah, up until this most recent episode, and those are just the, the the deepest of the whiny bitches that need to just go fuck off and pound sand and stick their heads up their <laughs> own asses. Hey, remember that time when I was the one that had to be censored the most? <laughs> <laughs> I just... I, I, I am of the age, I am of the generation, and... The the gender of wow. the individuals that are making all of that noise, and they need to go piss up a rope. Piss up a rope. Especially, they just need to enjoy Star Wars for so what Star way, Wars okay, okay. is. Especially ropes that have little barbs of shit in it. What if? Right. What if? Now this is the question. This is the Star Wars uh, minute. Minute with not Jay, Paul C. Walk. Question of the evening. What if? There was Baby Yoda and a Baby Ewok. Well, I still wouldn't watch it. Ba ba baby Yoda would eat the Baby Ewok like he ate the frog. <laughs> Bullshit! <laughs> baby Ewok would beat the bitch out of Baby Yoda. Dude, Baby Yoda's got the force. Suck baby it. Baby Yoda's got what? Big eyes? Baby, baby Ewok's got a spear in his hand. Dude, oh Baby God. Yoda Suck stopped it. a fucking rhino bear. Yeah, That's yeah I I'm haven't saying. seen any of it. A rhino yeah, bear? Well, once you see bear. it. You'll yeah, understand well, it. Yeah, rhino bears don't even exist. Okay. What's your... Neither do Ewoks! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that was the Star Wars Minute. Thank you, Nache. <laughs> Let me break it down for you. It's Todd. And it's Todd. From Toddville, Toddsylvania. If anyone knows Todd, it's Todd. In the biblical sense, Todd Nation coming at ya. Here he is, the man himself, Todd. Hey, buddy. Good luck finding your dad. So what made you choose World War II? And that's it. Um, I think I've, tr I've tried other eras, and they're just not as enjoyable. I just don't have as much fun playing them. Now, when I was with some other guys and they played a Civil War game, I had a good time. But by my, you know, kind of spending the time doing it myself, I just didn't enjoy it. I want to like something else. I want to you know, do Samurai or something, but every time I try it, it's just like, ugh. It's going to get So, I'm like, never mind. <laughs> well, thanks for destroying that, Hippie. I appreciate it. <laughs> Continue, Todd. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to be that, that guy, but I'm just telling you, I've tried. I have a... I have a, uh, I bought a Revolutionary War um, board game from GMT. Curtis has shown it on his thing too, and it's fun. It was light, and so I'll keep it because it was light. And but it was okay. I kind of was like after a couple games, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I don't know. I just, I guess I just get into the story more in World War II. It's more personal to you. A lot to explore as well. Yeah. A lot of different. Like 
novels and stuff like that. I mean, I got into a lot of it. I, I, you know, was reading about it and stuff like that. It just didn't grab me as much as like, you know, um, fantasy and stuff like that. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I keep going back to that. I just, I just, I try something else and I just keep going back to fantasy. That's why I'm, I'm, I've just been getting rid of my <laughs> stuff. That's not, you know, Lord of the Rings or dwarves. 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 <laughs> Well, wait a minute. Are you still keeping ECW? Oh yeah, of course. That that'll keep. Yeah. So that that so so ECW is your history, and you could keep AC. Are you keeping ACW for the imaginations thing or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those two things. So those are the history ones you're interested in. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's where it lies. I mean, the one good thing about liking one era is that it, you know, I'm not buying all these rules and stuff. I mean, I buy a lot of World War II rules, and I will occasionally, like, I bought Song of Light and Heroes, and I played a couple games of that, and it was fun. And some of those might be more fun just with other people, right? Like I said, I played a Civil War game, and it was enjoyable. I played an uh, uh, Alamo game. That was fun, but it was with a bunch of people, and his table was amazing. So I'll do it, but for the majority of my gaming, I'm going to stick with that. So now I just wish I could stick to one rule set, especially a board game, but... It's not that way. Because I, I hear about this guy who um, he was on a bunch of the podcasts and a couple of the, some YouTube vids. He is focused down on, um, oh my gosh, I think it might be, Rev, no man, it might be French and Indian or, Revolu or AWI. But he's just focused on, he kind of got a, the bug for it. He's just focused on it now. He's just got these. Because he's focused on it for so long, he's got these amazing tables that he plays at conventions and stuff, and puts them on. And because you know, I got an amazing collection, and I, fi I find that admirable to be able to focus on one game and one era and once you know do that. Because that's how you build up a good force, right? Yeah, that's okay. kind of when I when I focused on nothing but Gangs of Rome for a month, and I just I just painted them, got them done. You know, yeah. <clears throat> I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do, but coming up for sure um i'm either gonna <clears throat> do my army in a year or my battle in a year you know battle of Ed chill uh for ecw or i'm either going to start painting my fantasy stuff my dwarves my elves my goblins all that stuff for oathmark i haven't quite decided yet but cool man that's awesome So after having a rousing conversation about jelly donuts, uh, we're going to move right into our main topic for this episode. <laughs> uh, and that's going to be hard to do, but we're going to go ahead and uh, get through it, guys. Okay. Is that uh, chlamydia? Yeah. No, no, it's not. Oh. Um, and it has nothing to do with long johns or anything uh, like that. So. Um, Sounds boring. No donuts. Uh, so <laughs> Uh, our main discussion tonight is is, is something that uh, not Jay's been really familiar with. I've had experience with 3D printers. Um, we also know people who have printing farms and things like that. Uh, and lots of that going on. Lots of that going on out there. Uh, a lot of people getting 3D printers and even the resin ones like not Jay got one. Didn't you, not Jay? 
Yep. Yep. Okay, good. Uh, and so we're <laughs> we're actually going to have a phil- philosophical uh, discussion. Bullshit. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we're going to have a discussion about 3D printing. Uh, do we think that eventually the 3D printing is going to get so affordable that it's actually going to impact the wargaming world or the miniature game companies? Um, this is something that, you know, uh, we've talked about in the past. I know we have, but it's it's kind of getting to that point to where things are getting more affordable. I mean, uh, Nache, uh, you don't have to say it, but uh, do you, how much did you pay for your resin printer? $250. $250 for a resin 3D yep. printer. The last time, good. what was that, like what? three years ago, um, who was that? Tim got one, and it was like $10,000 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, in three years, the uh, yeah. cost of resin printers has dropped precipitously. It's Ooh. like it's, when the Titanic hit the iceberg, it dropped. What was that word? Precipitous, precipitously. Perception? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Persephone. Persephone. I think, Matt, is how you should say it is Persephone. Ah, Persephone. Persephone okay. would, would doom you to a life of torment in the underworld. <laughs> and you know what I saw? Uh, was it two days ago, I saw a 3D print pen. Yeah. Where it just feeds into a pen and you can just kind of, you know, 3D print stuff by the, you know, mm. movement of your fingers. That's been That's, around for years, you know. Anyway, I've never seen it. That was the first time I saw it. But uh, I mean, they've—they're becoming more and more affordable to where everybody can get one. Uh, matter of fact, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, my wife, uh, her friend has a uh, one of those like precision. Sarissa Precision has them, and they cut you know do CAD system, and they cut out you know the wood and the uh, laser uh, laser yeah. cutters. Yeah, I want one cutter. of those too. Those are still a little pricey. They're. Yeah. Laser cut home laser cutters are about where uh, resin printers were three years uh, about two years ago, about three grand. I'm sorry, what was that? You cut out. Laser printers. Oh, laser printers. Yeah. Laser cutter printers are where the resin printers were about two years ago. They're about oh, yeah. three thousand dollars for a good the, one. The 3D printers, even like the one I have, uh, I think it was like a thousand dollars. Now you can get one for a hundred bucks, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the big FDM printers, like my uh, my 12 by 12 by 12 uh, raised 3D uh, in two, it they're still going for about twenty five hundred to three thousand. That's more of a f- professional one, though, right? Well, yeah, but I got I got. My brother and I got it for a song. What song? <clears throat> what song? A, a song of uh, Tim Benjamin's. <laughs> okay. So they had to sing a grand to Tim. Yes. So <laughs> it was a grand song. <laughs> it was a charitable song. Well, you know, yeah. I, I've seen some people printing picture or put printing pictures, posting pictures on Facebook of things that they 3D printed mm-hmm. and painted. And they're almost spot on. Yeah. So it's getting scarily close to that. Because I know when you 3D print stuff, you get all kinds of lines. But they're you actually, with, you were. You do yeah, you do with the FDM printers still. Um, mm-hmm. And they're still, you. I mean, if you really, really f- fine-tune it, especially on your bigger models, uh, you can you can deal with the lines. 
but my printer, uh, my new, it's the Elegoo Mars uh, that you can pick up for 250 bucks. Exactly. Um, I'll I'll post some pictures of of some of my prints, um, yeah, or I'll send them the, to you, Matt, so you can put them up in the you know on, on whatever. Yeah, yeah just put them up in the uh, room. You guys can go check it out. Pretty damn amazing. Um, I'm I'm very very pleased. But of course, as soon as I buy something, the company comes out and announces, "Hey, we're gonna make it something better, and it's gonna be coming out soon." And I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> but I am pleased with the purchase I've made right now because I'm getting to use it right now, and I don't have to wait for its replacement to come out in, you know, six to twelve months from now. Well, I mean, what's the impact? Like, is this is this starting to have an impact? I mean, do you think it's going to have an impact? Well, I mean, what do you guys so. Well, for me, um, the impact is is I'm I'm going to be able to, and I've already started doing this, print out miniatures that I have found the STL files on the internet for models that, if I can get them, they're super super expensive because they're no longer in in print as metal. Uh, figures, metal models. A perfect example is the um, Star Trek uh, ship combat game from FASA back in the late 80s, early 90s. If I went out to buy, look for a USS Reliant, I'm going to spend 50, 75 bucks for one of those models because they're so rare now. But I found somebody that had created a 3D model of it. Cheater. Downloaded it, <laughs> printed it out, and now I've got that model. Um, is it uh, at this point in time? Yes, I can. Out of one liter of of resin, I can get between 120 and 140 28 millimeter figures. That's that insane. liter of that liter of resin cost me 30. 30 35 bucks. I mean that's crazy that you can get but that many miniatures out of, out yeah. of the resin printer and it's I don't know I, I just I feel like but it's it's still taking me three and a half to four hours per miniature. Yeah, but it's it's way cheaper than spending 45 bucks on it, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. But so it's it's not going to be a it's it's not going to be something that I create entire armies out of. It's going to be well, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but that's it defeats the purpose of what I'm using this for. What I'm using this for is to create either models that I can no longer get a hold of cheaply or at all in some cases, or special models uh, like special character type models that aren't available in any other fashion. So if I wanted to for whatever reason, I wanted to make a 28 millimeter uh, Patton, George, General George S. Patton, commander of the Third Army during World War II. Oh, like not a 28 millimeter sheet of paper. That's a Patton. Right. Exactly. Uh, Patton. 
Patton. Uh, I was I was lost there for a second. Thanks. No, for shut up. Yeah. Really yeah. Well, shut up. Um, you know, if I wanted to get a model of George S. Patton to lead my 28 millimeter army across the battlefield, nobody makes that. But if I took the time and effort and created a 3D model on the computer, I could then print it out. And then. And then I'd have Patton running across the battlefield, and, and nobody else does. Well, you know, Unless I decide to upload that that uh, that model that I created on the computer, either for free or I could sell it. Well, if if I were to get another three D printer, I don't believe I would use it for miniatures per se. Because when I when I had when I was run, when it was running, it's broken now. Um, when it was running, I was just doing terrain stuff. Because oh, that's what my big FDM printer is for. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The resin one's more for figures then. Right. <clears throat> but like like Todd, Todd's had a couple of videos of him. You know, old man assembles sorts of precision buildings, and I enjoy putting those together. And the price tag, what you pay for them, you get what you pay for. You know, it looks good. Mm -hmm. They look good. But, you know, if you can 3D print one out for 28 cents and it looks okay, yeah, you know, that takes away from that building experience. You know what I mean? Uh, building a model or building a piece of terrain or out of foam and it looks just as good or even not, if not better, you know. But what does Todd not want to do? Todd does not want to build. <laughs> I don't know. I, I found some files for some online <laughs> building and I said, Chris, can you? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I'll change the materials, and uh, you know, and whatever, and we'll call it good. Yeah, I don't know, uh, McMurray. Have you have you bought or got any three D printed buildings, miniatures, etc.? Absolutely. Um. Uh. So, I obviously own a good number of three D printed miniatures. Um. And I have a good number of three D printed buildings as well. Um, for a minute there, the guys that I gained with, we had a guy who lived out in Defiance who printed off a bunch of stuff for us. It was really cool. Um, and you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, everybody says, oh, you don't want to dry brush it because you're going to see the layers. When you're four feet away from it, who gives a shit? Um, I do. Exactly. Shit. Um, well, I get that. But it's the same thing. It's the same. Honestly, it's the same thing as how I paint my six or ten millimeter miniatures. Like, I hold the things three or two, three inches from my face while I'm painting, and then I put up, you know, and I do all this stuff. It's man, this is looking great. I'm doing a really good job. I can't believe I have the brush control for that. And then I set them down, and it's like, the fuck did I just do? Uh, yeah, because you can't. You can't you know, see it. You can't see the details when you're when it's three foot away. That's why I paint yeah. to a three foot, you know. A three foot standard. Exactly, and and it's and that's that's what you ultimately have to realize, um, especially with we we actually that's the great thing. So with the three with the three D printed stuff, we made a bunch a bunch of row houses. Like old boy just set his his what is it like the table or whatever or the plate to print mm -hmm. as many of these 3D row houses as he could. And it worked really, really well. He printed out a ton of them because <clears throat> I think he figured out it took him like 10 hours or whatever. 
So he'd send her a print in the morning, and then, you know, he'd come back, and in the evening he'd pop model off the plate, and then he'd have it do it again. And, um, and it worked really well. He made a ton in like a week and a half, and he brought them all in, and, you know, we 3D painted the hell out of them. And then we put together an entire 6x4, you know, market garden board. And it worked out really well. Um, at one point in time, one of the guys was bringing them up, and they sat in his car in the sun in July. Oh. Uh, yeah, you don't want to do that. Two hours, which is hilarious because, you know, uh, we I, I posted something about it, and all these people were like, it shouldn't do that, that shouldn't do that. It's like, buddy, you live in the U.K., like, you guys top out at, I don't know what, but it's not 65. <laughs> yeah, it's not St. Louis where it hits 110, like, if you're just standing Muggy in the shade. Yeah. Yeah, but, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, dude, 3D printed stuff is great, especially, you know, when you get a buddy who picks up a 3D printer cheap or you have somebody who's invested in it, and so it, it really is, like, four clicks of their time. I don't know. Like, maybe. It could be like 20 clicks of their time. I'm not sure. Um, but as, as this proliferation of 3D printers has increased, you know, as people are able to buy 3D printers cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, um, I'm able to buy more terrain and scenery materials with beer, which is always a great thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's, that's, that's kind of my point. It's like when the 3D printers get cheaper, do you think the people who make the miniatures or the, the models for, like, terrain and stuff are going to lower their prices on their stuff to compete with that? Probably I mean, not. Do you think there's going to be a impact there? Like, no. their overhead doesn't change. Like, if you're making a mold to make a resin, you know, house, it's not like, it, it's, not like it's cheaper for you to... to pay somebody to sculpt that or to cast it just because somebody else is going to, you know, draw up a CAD file and then sell that for a dollar. Um, you absolutely have, like if you, you know, just watching Kickstarter and stuff, even some of the same companies, Kickstarters, who have been making 3D, you know, they've been putting out STL files for sale. It's gotten cheaper over the last few years. Absolutely. Absolutely it has. Um, but I don't know how other manufacturers are going to compete with that without eating out of, out their bottom line. Um, well, I know for sure there are people out there that won't buy a 3D printed model because they like the experience of putting it together. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> there, there is a market for Good both. for them. <laughs> well, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, we're put together you put, hey, dude, you just put pistons in a tank you'll never see because you enjoyed it, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, good for you. I did I'm not do that. Enjoy. You bitched about it. Get out of here. <laughs> the, see, the thing is, there, there is a market for both. There, there is a market for for the DIYer who wants to download the STL file and print out the French farmhouse and you know, throw some paint on it and call it good enough. And then there's the others that want to go out and take the time and effort and uh, the wherewithal to, you know, buy the resin kit or buy the, the, the MDF See, kit and paint it up and build it and, you know, take the time to do that. There is 
there is one is not going to necessarily detract from the other. See, this is this is where I disagree with you. Um, not not fundamentally, but just kind of on the semantics ish of this. I haven't seen guys who buy resin buildings and stuff like that. Like guys who buy miniature building authority stuff because they're gorgeous resin buildings. And you know whatever companies you have in the UK, I know there's a good number. Um, Rich Clark talks about incredible, um, you know, resin terrain companies in the UK. Mm -hmm. Those people aren't the people that are buying um, 3D printed terrain. 3D no, printed not terrain. at all. It's people who buy MDF because that is the other incredibly cheap option. Because as soon as you know, as, as 3D printer budgets are lowering, so are laser engraver budgets. Um, yes. And so that's where you got to get the difference. Like, well, we can have layers on three-dimensional terrain, or, or we can have terrain or, that is entirely without texture. And so that's right. that. That's the big conflict that I see. Because again, as soon as you have a, a large enough club, those two camps emerge. And well, you can see those people. Yeah, I mean, so I'm the guy buying this Sarissa, which I really have enjoyed. I mean, all my videos, I'm like a fanboy. But if I'm able to get this file of, for $50 of, gosh, I don't even know how many models are in there, different buildings. All of them. All of them? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 25 <laughs> to 30 different buildings, many of which are similar to what I got here. And then I, I don't know, Chris, what it's going to cost to pay for the resin or whatever you, you used to yeah. use it. But – I mean, that's some buildings I'm not buying from Sarissa. So, so yeah, and, and, another competitor in the market. And that's why I see, especially when you have unpainted MDF kits, because, buddy, I tell you, I've got a lot of a lot of guys that I play with are just MDF. That's all they do. That's all they want to do. That's all they want to hear about. Because the last 3D printed stuff they saw was 10 years ago when the minimum you could get was like a half a millimeter. Yeah. You know what I mean? For your resolution. Now you can get a tenth of that. Stuff looks incredible. Um, it's as simple to paint. You know, you got guys like uh, Luke Fellows out there who will do zenithal highlighting with a buy spray a tan. Yep. You should buy his shit. Absolutely, you buy should buy his shit. shit. Um, unless you live in the Midwest and you want his tree cover moss stuff, in which case you just walk outside, idiot. Um, <laughs> that being said, that's a really particular kind of thing. Um, and he also does all the glycerin and whatnot to make it, but it kind of reminds me of the Ron Swanson quote, why would you paint nature when you could just walk outside and see it? Um, but that being said, buy all of Luke Fellow's shit. The mid-green two-in-one foam flock is hands down. The greatest basing and terrain material I've ever utilized. <laughs> well, I uh, haven't yet. I don't think I've seen Hippie with anything 3D printed. That's not true. No, he has the, uh, he bought, what, what was the, like, Figure Forge or whatever? Yeah, Hero Forge. Hero Forge. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. I, got, I didn't know I that was 3D printed. Yeah, 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 it's right there, yeah, printed, yeah. but it's 3D printed. In, in fact, hmm. you know somebody that you can send that, at, you can download the STL for and have them print it for you. And the Hero Forge STLs are only three ninety nine right now. That's true, they are. So one of the good things about, I'm actually going to bring this up is that, you know, 
with technology the way it is now, companies are actually using 3D printers to like to like streamline the process. So like they're not even going to like sculptors anymore, like Stavros or um, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, people. they should. Yeah. Well, they they should, but uh, you know they're not. They're they're, they're putting the they're putting the designs out there and they're saying you use these templates to make your own miniatures any way you want, craft them, whatever, and then you can either download it and print it yourself for a fee or send it to us and we will print it on, you know, in various different levels of, of, of uh, clarity, you know, or detail, and we'll mail it to you and you will have this miniature for, you know, a fraction of the cost. And so basically you are the sculptor and designer of this miniature, and you can also be the printer of it as well if you have access to one like Najee, or you can have someone else print it for you, but you're still in charge of that miniature's design. So, it, you know, whereas if you were to hire a sculptor and a design team and all that jazz, you're probably looking at like $400 on the low end to get a high-quality miniature you know, designed and sculpted exactly as you want it to, to be. And that that's kind of neat. It's really neat. But I will say there is another aspect of this too, which is at some point in time, we're going to get to a point where 3D printers can mass produce miniatures. Like when I, when I mean that, I mean like molds. So like right now, like everyone's like really fascinated with, with plastic because plastic is – you know, so easy to get, it's cheap, whatever, and it's all mold injected. So, like, you know, you're just shooting in, shooting in the plastic, it hardens, pop it out of the mold, and you got a screw. At some point in time, might be, we might actually be there now, I'm not sure, but we, we're going to get to a point where the 3D printing technology, and this is actually a revamp of my previous beliefs on technology, because remember back in the day, I was like, no. No, technology is never going to get to that point. But I, I, I actually have to correct myself. I think that we're actually at the point where you could 3D print sprues of miniatures. And it won't take very long because you're not. it's not going to be a large model or anything like that. It's going to be a, a flat sprue that you're going to be able to print in maybe like an hour or two. And eventually that technology is going to make, bring it down to like a matter of – it might be minutes. <laughs> where, you know, it prints out that sprue, and you're not going to have any of the printing line. So it, it, okay, so it'll print out the whole sprue where you can cut it off the sprue and put it all together. Because you're already pause, you're already pause. doing that now. You're already having to clip off sprue from the 3D prints because they're already coming out with, with sprues on them because technically they need that to stabilize them. So... You know what, what? What? All we're talking about is taking you know a 3D already completed miniature to actually printing out sprues themselves. So you know, yeah, it, there's assembly there, but that opens up a whole new possibility for, for companies. companies because yeah. now they don't have to rely on having molds. They don't have to rely on you know having to make masters. Like all of these things will go away because the it, everything is going to be in the computer. So you're not going to have to worry about masters decaying over time because every 3D print is going to be exactly the same. You're never going to have to worry about, you know, faults unless there's a fault in like the the, the actual printing part, like the actual resin might be bad or something like that. Yeah. But, um, See, yeah. What I thought, 
sorry, what I thought you were going into at first, when you talk about Stavros and whatnot and sculptors, was something that absolutely I can see happening in terms of you get sculptors who are really good at stuff, right? Like that is that is an acquired skill. That is something yep. you work for years to do, as opposed to 3D modeling a face isn't hard because you can 3D print your own face and put slap right. it on a miniature and there it is. Um, that's what I thought you were talking about, and that's where absolutely you've seen that increase in the masters in making the masters. Yep. Of <clears throat> like some character models. We're going to take the time. We're going to have somebody, you know, who's incredible at sculpting make this model. We'll get a green. We'll make a master of it. There it is. Versus these are just grunts or these are minions. These are, you know, henchmen of a bad guy. Screw it. Yeah, they can be 3D printed. We'll 3D print them. And then we'll use a nice resin printer at its maximum resolution to make a master. Yep. Um, and, that, and that's something that... And here's here's something too that is is technology that exists is you can get 3D scanners, so yeah. you you get a master mold from somebody or master a master sculpt by a good sculptor, all right. You can go around that with the camera, the the, the printer. The, I'm sorry, the computer program analyzes that. It creates a 3D model off of that original, and then you can replicate that that miniature over and over again. Yeah, didn't uh, GPR Roldy do that with Minute uh, Minuteman miniatures at like Adepticon and whatnot a while back? Wasn't that their gimmick that they would scan your face and then put you onto a miniature? Yeah, there was yes. a there was a guy yep. in our Yeah, exactly. That. You just, yeah. And and that's yeah. if you if yeah. you played Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront, all of that enti- like that entire all the all the landscapes and everything like that. That was all replicated by using 3D scanners. They would just go with, with that hand scanner and they would scan objects and then replicate that in the gaming world. Well, you can take that same kind of programming and make that an STL file and you can print it. And that that kind of thing, that, that technology is there. It's just a matter of someone actually having, you know, having the, the wherewithal to use it for hobbyists and, and miniatures. Where I see that being really outstanding is, you know, the the traditional issue that, that manufacturers and everybody else has is, can I make enough of these for it to be worth my time to do this? Right. And, you know, obviously, once you get into the massive numbers, plastics are where you want to be. But those molds are fucking crazy expensive to make. Yep. And so that's, <laughs> they're about, about 50000 a pop. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where you have people who in smaller manufacturers they're like, no, we're gonna make spin molds. Wait a minute. Um fifty thousand dollars to make a mold for a miniature? Yeah. For, ma- for plastic make injection. Through. Oh plastic yeah. injection. Yeah, that, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, if 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 you're talking resin or you're talking uh metal, it's it's much less expensive. But well, yeah, because then you're just using silicone. But you know, I, I, I do there's something to be said about how how this technology is going to revolutionize miniatures, and I I think again on again we're talking we're talking resin buildings now. I've gotten a couple of 3D printed like like uh, the kind of the larger scale ones that you have, not Jay. I can't think of the name. I know you said it earlier. I can't think of the name now. Um, uh, the, printer. Well, no, the, the yes, printer. Yeah, the, ra- the raise 3D <laughs> into. Yeah. yeah. 
so you know, I have a couple of those, but they're really janky looking. Like you get them and like, you know, you could see like the 3D print lines and you have to do a lot of sanding. And honestly, I'm not quite sure how safe that dust is that's coming off of there you're sanding. You better be wearing a, uh, yeah. a breath mask. So, you know, that that to me is, is the part that that's where the that's where the technology is is kind of a failure. I don't I don't like the look of that. I feel like it's unimmersive. I like the stuff that you're printing out because it has less uh, has more detail and less obstruction with the with the print lines. And yeah. So so th there's definitely um, something to be said about that kind of technology and and where it's at now versus where it was at even like two years ago. But the, the, it's inexpensive. It's so inexpensive, like you guys were saying, to get you know to get a janky object on the table as opposed to having to make it by hand or you know even making it by hand like you can you know if you go out and get like um extruded polystyrene right from like um lowe's or home depot or wherever, wherever they have it you're still yeah. spending you're spending like 25 30 bucks whereas i can get a i can get a janky 3d printed wall for like five bucks Yep. And, and like two dollars postage or something like that. It's it's not expensive, and that to me is incredible. And there's no time spent having to make it. So you know, but I mean, it really depends on people's tastes and preferences. Like, there's something about a sculpted miniature that I love. Um, yeah, you honestly, you can tell the difference between a hand sculpted master. And a uh, CAD designed master, Absolutely. you really can. Uh, yeah. You know, I I I talked about that in in a previous episode. How, wow, this one here looks way different. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's too perfect. Yeah, it feels like uh, I have the uh, what is that? Uh, not Judge Dredd, but it's um, whatever. Um, oh, the the, uh, the, the stuff two two thousand dog. dog. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And I look at those, and you're definitely—I mean—they're metal miniatures. I don't know whether if they did a mold, but to me, they look like they were 3D designed. I'm sure they were. Yeah, yeah. But the ones from Joe Sulla, uh, Lucidi, that uh, these like these elves and stuff like that—you can tell they were sculpted. It's totally different. It's just totally—it's smooth. Well, you know, when I get when I get miniatures off of hassle-free, right? Hassle-free miniatures. They're, oh yeah, you got some of those. That's right. They are incredible, and you know the stuff that Stavros makes from World Gods and and Test of Honor, like they're so good, and they I think that they're actually I mean and then you get like the plastic injection molded stuff that or like even the other ones are like um, uh, the three skull the three prints of the Victrix uh, hoplites. I think they're great, but you can t you can clearly tell. That they were made in oh, a three sure. uh, a computer program versus what Stavro sculpts. There's more character. There's there's yeah. there's, there's more interest character. there. Yeah. Like and the faces have more character. Everything. Every yeah. the, the, the clothes. Now, and, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, you, we're talking. I went on a rant about hair. Yeah. Sculpted yes. Hair yeah. And 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 three D sculpted hair. That's that's where I noticed the difference. I'm sorry. Not uh, go ahead. Now, ice now to be. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, Bullshit. The. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The. the uh, Long time for that, McMurray. Yeah. The guys talk. that 
you know, the, the people that do the 3D modeling in the in the CAD system, they've they've you know, there's a skill and an art to that as well. Uh, so it's you know, I don't want to take anything away from those artists, but it is a different aesthetic. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And you know, I, I I really do feel strongly that there will always be a place for sculptors. Oh yeah, I absolutely. Think, I think when it comes down to it, so here's here's the thing that's scary to me, right? I'm all about technology, but at some point, technology becomes dangerous to the economy, and th this is kind of an example of that, like. You know, it's almost like taking away, um, you know, cashiers and replacing them with, you know, like, self-checkouts. Like, there's there's a well, – I, I, I'm, I'm saying here – I'm sorry if I'm if – I'm like, No, no, no. It, it, you reminded me. My wife hates the self-checkouts. Yeah, I she mean – she thinks it takes away jobs from people. It, it does. Yeah. And that's in, – you know, in my, in my local supermarket, there are six self-checkouts <laughs> and, like – 15 um, lanes for for actual cashiers. However, they have reduced the number of cashiers that actually are at registers because the self checkouts are so more so so much more efficient. And there's there's something to be said about the you know adding machines can take away as and and I think what is it Stephen Hawking even even predicted that. You know, we could be looking at a, a global depression because machines are just going to be taking over so many manufacturing jobs, so many, you know, so many other jobs. And this is an example of that, where you're taking someone with a skill, you know, someone with it with a with a skill that they've really trained their whole lives to perfect, and you're replacing them with a computer. And this is something that this is all these people have done for all these years. These sculptors, this is what they've done. This is their livelihood, and you're removing them from that. And I think there's, there is, I mean, there's a there's a line there that we have to think about ethically if it's right to cross. And as much as I love getting inexpensive terrain, and inexpensive miniatures, and and such, but I, there's there's something else to be said about losing losing that skill. Because who's going to want to pay two hundred, three hundred dollars, even one hundred and fifty dollars for a miniature to be designed and sculpted when they can just have a friend do it on their computer for you know a third of the cost? And that that and that's scary. I, I can see how that could be scary to some companies. <laughs> but now that friends getting paid. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the friends, the friends getting, getting the friends getting paid, but. The, the the guy that is the guy that's dedicated his entire life to the craft is not. And now what's that guy gonna do? He's got nothing, he's got no other job experience, probably. You know, because this is all they've done their entire lives. Like you look at look at um, you know, uh, Steve Sala, you know, or um, looking at uh, you know, uh, who's uh, who's that guy? Bill Thornhill, there's uh, Paul uh, Paul Hicks. Paul Hicks. Yeah, Paul you, Hicks. You know, these guys are these guys are good and they're fast, but they're they're this is what they've done their entire lives is produce miniatures for our entertainment. And if they if that if they get replaced by printers, then 
part of that this part of the hobby is gone. It's not going to come back. Like there's not going to be a place for them in 10 years to say, "Oh, well yeah, if you want this miniature sculpted." No, cuz they're just going to hire people that are skilled at computers to do it. Well, and there is an argument that artists still sculpt even though a machine can sculpt. Right, but that live is going to be gone. There's an argument that people who do computers for a living shouldn't earn livings, but yeah, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> God, okay. you are so anti-technology. <laughs> I, I I don't anymore. No, I was I was, I was disagreeing with you. I was saying that obviously those people who can do you know 3D sculpting don't deserve to earn livings, but yeah. Well, I don't think that's um, the case. I don't. Th- I'm not saying that they don't deserve. Were you it. just saying that? They shouldn't be able to. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what he's saying. Is that it is a shift of who is getting paid, and yeah. the the but people. But sculptors are getting paid alone, then people who three D design things aren't getting paid. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it should be one or the other. Is my point. I'm oh. saying that. I'm saying that there has to be as a as a community, we have to look at this ethically and say we have to make we have to to make room for sculptors we have to we have to make sure that that they have a place in the hobby world. and they will uh, and, it, because but, and we just got we just got to be aware that we can't shortchange them either it, it's not fair to say oh well technology is cheaper so we're going to ask you this to for less money for what you do because we value your stuff less is essentially what we're saying and that's not well, true we, have to make I, sure I, that we, we don't tell we don't fall into that you know so Agreed and buy 3D printed models from people who are over six foot six one. (laughs) (laughs) And have mustaches. And look like uh, really tall Ewoks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. If we get if yeah, right. (laughs) If we get to the point where hand sculpted masters are no longer going to be financially feasible. Those artists will continue to be artists and will continue to be artists for at the same level as they are now. Paywise included. Because they are artists. You will never pay an artist less for the same work. Well, that's no matter true. what medium they're using. That's and that's not true because there are lots of, of people who are paid less because people deem art to be. But that individual artist will never be paid less for what he or she does because people understand. People that have followed them, people that, if if Joe Sulla realized today today that it is no longer financially feasible for him to hand sculpt and he's going to have to start 3D sculpting, he's not going to make any less. He'll make the same amount. A whole different skill set involved with 3D sculpting. No, there isn't. Not really, because you're still an artist. You're still. You're still using your artistic talents. You're just using a different medium. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm telling tool. you right now, 
as as a paint as someone who paints miniatures, I could not take this skill and pick up a pick up a paintbrush and and paint on canvas. I couldn't. Do I it. will almost guarantee you you can because I I've seen it done by other people. Those people have probably practiced. They use my fingers. You can use your fingers, yes. On the canvas? You absolutely can. You can go ahead and finger paint the hell out of that bitch. So, <laughs> yeah, per, I'd finger perfect, paint if I could. Per, perfect example. Finger paint the hell out of that bitch. Donna. God, dude. Like, she, can, she, can, she can paint on canvas. Not again. What? That is happening again. What? What's happening again? Like, every now and then you need that, like little lever in between your legs that is like black and yellow striped that you can just pull to eject out of a conversation because this is the talent conversation all over again. It's no, fine. I'm not. No, no, we're no. not talking about that. No, we're not talking. What I'm saying is, no, what I'm saying is Donna can paint on a canvas. Before she met me, she'd never painted a miniature before. Her first, her first painted miniature was better than any miniature I had ever painted to that point. And I had been painting She's miniatures for years. Talented. Shut up. <laughs> Whatever, whether you call it talent or skill or ability or whatever, because she is an artist, no matter what medium, what no matter what tool you put in front of her, she tool. is going to be able to with a bit of practice, succeed in whatever she does. Because that's what artists do. Yeah, guaranteed, that. guaranteed, if I put a canvas in front of you, Hippie, and gave you a year to perfect your skill, you'd be painting on canvas just as well as you paint on uh, yeah. miniature. Okay. All right, so, so a, I think a year is probably over-generous. Probably, probably take me like five years... Just, no. just to certain master certain techniques. But my point is, if I during that time where I'm trying to learn this new skill, I'm not making any money. So, so, okay. so what? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm right there with you, Tiffany. Or I'm sorry, Hippie. Tiffany, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That ties into my point here. Hang I, on. I, I, I'm, I'm right. I'm right with you there, Hippie. Eat I know um, a few young women. Who consider themselves quote artists, like not Jay would say. Yeah, but see, they get painted a whole <laughs> different way. One of them is indeed named Tiffany. That's with an I, not a Y. Um, <laughs> others are named Brandy and, now, hold and, on. and, and, and cinnamon okay. and sparkles. <laughs> hang on a second. And hang I'm on. not sure whoa, 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 whoa. if you put well, hang on, hang with on. a bunch of paints and a canvas, you get much anything. Hang on a second. So I guess it, why, it, like it'll have some some sort of impact. But the way the way I'm I'm kind of looking at it is is there could be a sculptor out there, you know, if the 3D printing thing takes off more than it than you know somebody 3D rendering uh, uh, hand sculpting something over 3D rendering something, um, it's two totally different talents I'm guessing. Uh, I, I want to no. say it, it it seems to me like it's two. I'm I'm saying it is. I'm saying that artists artists who paint on canvas usually have to go to school to learn various techniques and things like that that you just can't pick up by picking up a brush. Well, it, Michelangelo. Right. I think Da Vinci. Michelangelo. Pretty <laughs> da Vinci. Well. You can. Bernini. But Rembrandt. What I'm so trying are, to you say, say, are you saying that they didn't go to school? Are you Is your argument that they didn't attend art school? No, I'm arguing that 
I think Nacha and I are arguing that they mastered many, many, many different forms of media very, very well. Yeah, after after learning and practicing and, and attempting it and doing things and going to classes and learning from teachers and experts, <laughs> yeah, they learned a lot I of great things. I, I'd argue that there are parts that they didn't necessarily master. You just have to look at David to figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> but scaling oh, is, oh, is it, difficult. It, um, it, it was mastered. <laughs> Baited. Oh. Um, what are you guys talking about? Like, are we not talking about hair? I, I was saying, like, if you, you know, we are. <laughs> if if we're talking about the if it comes if it becomes to it where it's just business wise, if it's just business, business is uh, business, business to make money. Business. You know, so if it's cheaper to pay somebody to three D render something than somebody to sculpt something, they'll find a way to make somebody hand sculpting you know, uh, like uh, Stavros or whatever, and call them premium sculpted miniatures. And, you yeah. you know, you can pay more for that. I mean, I've, well, that's I've, what I'm saying. We just, we just got to make sure that we allow for that. That's and, all. and I'm sure that's yeah. out there already where these are, you know, hand sculpted and being yeah. hand sculpted, and, and they're saying. worth it's, more, it's, you know. You know, people are going to, just like people back in back in the day, people sought out uh, Beethoven, Brahms, and Bach, and, and paid them more money than you know. Computers, Davis, <laughs> Salieri. Salieri was actually really well respected. Oh, he was. Yeah, uh, but, but the computers at the time were garbage. Like but, Beethoven looked at the computer was like, "What are you gonna do, digital bitch? What's up? <laughs> I can't even hear. Get after it." <laughs> I really, you, you really, really lost me on that one, not Jay. I'm not going to lie to you. No, what, what I'm saying is because pe people will continue to um, uh, be a patron of the arts, meaning yeah, well, they will spend <laughs> the money on Michelangelo. Exactly. Mm -hmm. you know, Michelangelo wasn't competing with MS Paint either, man. Well, hang on. You know what? You know, I've seen a but lot. But they of, were. One of the most but brilliant. But they were. One of what? the most brilliant things that Stavros did. Come out. <laughs> one of the most brilliant things that Stavros did is he takes pictures right as he's done right there on his sculpting table and shows you those miniatures. And if you compare them to some of the mass produced stuff like, you know, Strontium Dog and all this other stuff. I mean, you look at him and go, wow. You know, like that's. I look at Stavros as those are those are high quality miniatures. I already yeah, look at that. Yeah, that is the argument that I would make. And <clears throat> when I look at say a Vitrix model over a Stavros model, I'm like, you know, I think I put Stavros's stuff above that, even though Vitrix is <clears throat> is one of my favorite, you know, as far as detail goes and and the way that they're um, put together and just the whole round thing I, I i think they're awesome but if it was 12 models of stavro stuff 12 models of victrix and they they you know the stavro stuff costs a couple bucks more and i would probably go with his stuff just because right. I, I i i feel like his stuff is above you know you know what i mean you know what i'm talking about it, exactly yeah because people of, will people will pay more for the quality that they're getting yeah the Michelangelo versus David's exactly. garage, you know. 
It's a garage. <laughs> with a 3D printer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you Chris mean, in his garage with a 3D printer. Oh, yeah, that's right, not Jay. No, basement. Basement. I'm in the basement. The it's garage gets too cold. Six foot tall Ewok. <laughs> six two, thank you. Six like, two. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're just, like, randomly listing places that 40-year-old virgins live in their parents' house. Like, it's not in the garage. I live in the basement. <laughs> I live in the basement. I live in the guest house. That was a... Yeah, your guest house with an opening front wall. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Wink, uh, wink, nudge, nudge. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Uh, I mean, you should be like the last person to talk about that since you're single. <laughs> yeah, but he he doesn't live in the basement. Well, that yeah, I, I, we don't know that. I live on my own and have it's, seen the wonders of the boat that holds the he, little man that not Jay has never he, met. He he's uh. <laughs> He, he's seen the wonders that is Tiffany with an eye. Yeah. <laughs> and confirm. And Brandy with an eye. So, uh, I guess final thoughts. Um, I think it'll have a small impact. I, I think that the the industry will, you know, merge it in. The, the industry will adjust. Yeah, adjust What's, uh, What does Todd think about all this? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Todd. Um, I don't like jelly donuts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, why are you still listening to this shit, Todd? <laughs> the fact that you respond that quickly means that you are obviously paying reasonable attention. Like, God, I would have turned this shit off a long time ago. Don't say that, man. We're trying. We we want to have people listen to this shit. <laughs> no, we want we want people. God, am I supposed to call Todd classy or am I supposed to call our listeners classy? I don't know, but they are two different demographics. Um, no, they're the same demographic. Yeah, I, um, they're all Todd's. Sorry, I, Todd. No, no. I, a second. <laughs> I think Matt just pooped himself again. Go ahead, Todd. Oh, we say. Please get it out. Okay, so what I was going to say is, I think it's I think it's an awesome thing, like the Arnhem houses I was talking about. No one's probably going to make those because not enough people want them. And this way, it allows, you know, a few of us who want to do a serious Arnhem scenario, you can do it. I think it's right. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I think I think, in, in some companies might get smart and start, you know, selling like being a distributor for those files or something. I don't know. Yeah. But and there already are companies out there that do that, right? So I see that's no that that's what I was trying to get after a minute ago was that even if you're not distributing files, the fact that you can pay somebody so much cheaper to do you know whatever means that those random one-off sculpts that you can't find anywhere else, yeah, might you might be able to find them. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's, that, it's that cost benefit for for the manufacturer where, man, I'm not going to pay. Obviously, we're not paying somebody to make a plastic sprue of this because that's gonzo ridiculous. Um, gonzo. <laughs> but at the same time, like, are we going to pay to have a really characterful range ca spun cast in metal for this? Or are we going to just, like, these are minions. Who gives a shit? We're going to 3D print them. We're still going to spin cast them, but we're not going to pay somebody to make really good stuff. Well, yeah, and sorry, I just thought of this. How about how cool would it be to 
I mean, they do this a little bit with some of the special characters. You know, I know Warlord does it and stuff, but you could, like, get pictures of the actual soldiers from World War II and actually do Easy Company, you know, for the most part. You could have this. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean, some people would really appreciate that, you know, and, yeah, I don't know. That'd be, that's, I, think, I think it opens up great doors to the hobby. Right on. That would be really cool. People are going to have to adjust. We're going to have to figure out how to do it. So, so McMurray, oh, was Gonzo the one with the hook nose? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, no, Gonzo, yes. In the, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. In the Muppets, he was. In Muppets, yes. Ah, oh, okay. Not what I was thinking, but yes, Gonzo <laughs> and the Muppets was absolutely the one with the yeah. nose. Or you can also talk about, you know, Gon, uh, Gonzo journalism with uh, Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> we're not getting into that. We're not getting into Hunter S. Thompson uh, Gonzo. Bong. Here is the evening news. Bong. Things happening in the UK. Bong. Americans think they're wonderful. Bong. Think you smoke stuff out of. Bong. And now joining us all the way over across the pond, and over that deep blue sea, in that wonderful little island. What's it called again, now, Jay? England. England. Yes. You. <laughs> Is no, our no, foreign no, correspondent no. here to teach us another lesson about miniature wargaming or anything else in the UK? Welcome. That's you, John. Hey. <laughs> I thought you were recording an intro. I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> That's a big slight. <laughs> He's like, do I talk first? No, I'm, I'm the guest. He talks first, then I talk. Yes, I allow him to record the intro, then he can, there's always a pause, so he can then clip it out. Oh, and no, then we're he keeping this. Rocky's <laughs> <sighs> War Room Ramble, setting, setting low production standards and consistently failing to achieve them. <laughs> <laughs> did you record that? Please, I God. I sure shit did. <laughs> That needs to be at the end of every show. <laughs> oh, all right. And our foreign correspondent himself, John. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Yeah. Would these insult us? I don't know. <laughs> he called us gentlemen, so Where? I'm not quite sure he's met us. Who walked in? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, is Todd still here? Yeah. So, John, <laughs> what would you like to teach us today? Crickets? Crickets? <laughs> He's teaching us science. Down the tumbleweeds, playing down the high school. <laughs> Cotton wool. Uh, well, we, <laughs> cotton wool, yeah. Contains no wool. <clears throat> Look like sheep eggs, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. So I just steal all of Not Jay's jokes, so that must make things slightly easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to cut a lot out of this one. <laughs> uh. <sighs> so... Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, John, what's on the menu today? <laughs> Hopefully, not jelly donuts. <laughs> no, thankfully not. Yeah. No, no, we're finished. Oh, or, I'm, I'm or, into or jammy whiskey. donuts. <clears throat> Guess they'd be jammy. We have. We, what about custard donuts? We've got custard yeah. over here. Some 
Don't don't fool these. Oh god. Oh god, you can't do custard. No. No. God, no. <laughs> because if McMurray gets a hold of it, he'll talk about you know, we would just want to discuss it. Yeah. He'll he'll talk about how that it was an American custard that was first finished donuts and Americans exported it to everyone else and we should be grateful for the, the gift of American custard filled donuts. Yeah, he had a lot to say about uh, about American exceptionalism yesterday, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sure you have a response to that. <laughs> <What>? No. One <laughs> has standards and is polite and has been told by Matt not to respond. It's <laughs> 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 just uh, who invented the steam catapult, who invented jet engines, rocket engines, uh, who started all the nuclear stuff. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't America. Oh, oh, oh! Shots fired. fired. Them's fighting words. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> I, 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 I will take up for McMurray on this one. Okay. What? Th- there are two types of ways to measure things in the world. There's the metric system that the rest of the world uses, and there are freedom units that got us to the moon. Freedom units. Oh, yeah, I think he's talking yeah. about the imperial standard. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which we did used to use. I will agree with you. But who on earth thought? I know. Let's you know we've got ten fingers, we've got ten toes. So let's go. Let's put sixteen of these things. In fact, the next time, next set of units will we'll only put fourteen, really to mess you up. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it's and, twelve inches, inches, inches in a foot. Let, let, let's go. Let's go twelve. Let's not do ten. Let's go twelve because because we can. Because a, a British monarch, that's who. Yeah, oh, I know it came from us. I can't. I, I can't. I just. I think it's a draft system. Whoever came up with it. Uh, <laughs> but you have to understand, in this country, we've been officially metric since, in fact, since 1971, since the year I was born. We have been metric. Well, we not entirely. Have, no, well, that's the point. We're not. We still have pints. And um, miles. Don't y'all do? Every, don't y'all still do stuff in miles? We're still, still, yeah, we're still doing miles. Distances measured in miles. <laughs> Speedometers are in miles per hour rather than kilometer an hour. We we buy, well, we buy, we buy fuel in liters now, but we still don't quite get used to that. We still talk about miles per gallon for cars. <laughs> you talk about <laughs> miles per gallon for cars, but you fill up with liters. Yeah, it never goes. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah, if, you, if you buy a car, people say, "What what what mile per gallon? What MPG does it do? Not how many." Kilometers per liter. Just... I'm just thinking about McMurray filling up in the UK. <laughs> I'll have ten gallons to go with my hat. Oh my god! I, and, you know, and I thought parts of East Texas were backwater. <laughs> well, how how many liters in a gallon? Uh, three point four. Yeah, what is this? What is this confusing stuff? <laughs> now, so and the only reason I know that there's 3.4 liters in a gallon is because it says so on top of the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the urinals here in the United States will tell you how much water they use. I think it's called a loo because no, it, that's, that's where you control. live. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but oh, since um, like American Standard sells both in the United States and Canada, by Canadian law, they have to have 
both liters, per liters and gallons. So, yeah. not Jay, can you kind of ask you, do you like spend your time studying bathroom information? Like, is there like a pamphlet that you give out to people that explains how bathrooms work? This is well, well actually, for a person to know. Well, well actually, now, now that I work at a lumber yard that sells construction materials, yes. Oh, you are legitimately like legitimately a potty mouth. That's exactly <laughs> what this is right now. <clears throat> yeah, we. I legitimately have brochures to hand out to customers about toilets. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're a loose specialist then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yes, and and since our. You know, the end of season one, just to let our listeners know, I am no longer a in the IT business. I'm in the construction materials yeah, you're, business. You're in, the, you're in the toiletry business. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. John's, John's here. Hey, John, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the Americans. Hey, just roll on in and take over everything. <laughs> Screwing shit up. He's the foreign correspondent. Let's talk to him. I, I, I saying, swear man, to God, I thought you said the foreskin. No. I mean, if it weren't for the UK, there would be no America. So in, in theory, this is true. You see, just we're like we're like the the, the disobedient children. The, the uh, we're the bastard the child. Prodigal sons. We're John's distant cousins. <laughs> That's yeah, a terrible. The backwater <laughs> ones that, that strum the banjo. That's us. What yeah. did you say, John? Was, yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> The fact that in some way, shape, or form, I'm related to you lot. Oh, dear lord. <laughs> well, I mean, we're all related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. far enough. Yeah, I, I still... There's a common phrase which I, which I do love, which is that uh, over here in the UK, we have history. In America, you just have bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> Notwithstanding any, any First Nation people, of course, who've been around for somewhat longer. <sighs> Yeah. They'll be the first to. They'll be, probably be the first to uh, to disavow any thought of being called Americans. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's crazy. <sighs> really call a cookie a biscuit? Yes, we do. <laughs> and they also have digestives. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's a type biscuit. of biscuit. Yeah, is it just... like a fiber? Is it like a fiber biscuit? A fiber? No, it's more of a, a sweet biscuit. Yeah, it's really good. Chocolate on the top. It's good stuff. Kind of like it does give me a thought here. Actually, you know, we have we are you know two countries separated by the same language and all that and different phrases, but within wargaming, <laughs> thankfully, um, <laughs> but between in wargaming, it's all pretty much universal. Yeah, except y'all you, you screw up by calling a single die a dice. Well, it's a die. I mean, it's just it is a die. But every yeah. single British rule book tells you to roll a single One dice. Well, that's yeah. because the people that write the rule books are all from Yorkshire, so. <laughs> I mean, it might be true, but what, what difference does that make? <laughs> <clears throat> you can't. You can't trust anybody from the north. 
Just ask somebody from Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Separation of die. You know? Separation of die. Yeah, but okay, so there's things on. But you know, Jim, you know, with, with everything else, it's all. I mean, I guess it's because you want to sell it to uh, you know, uh, a worldwide yeah. market. But there's not a lot of you know colours of paints, types of paints. You know, they're, they're all actually the language is the same, except they spell colour wrong. Yeah, what's up with those yes. road use? <laughs> <laughs> Test of honor is H O N O R. All I'm saying is, I'm not. Did they print it on me that that Rogue has a U in it? I'm I'm very curious though. What what's up with the spelling of things with U's in it? Yeah, like honor, color. No, I know what he meant. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just off the top of my hat, I, I don't have the um, uh, the entomology of those words to hand. So entomology means. Where the word comes from, just yeah, oh, yeah, thank you for yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I hate it when people confuse etymology and entomology, <laughs> it just bugs me in words you, that yeah. cannot be stated. <clears throat> I have no idea what either one of those are, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> one is the study of the birth of words, the other is the study of insects and i knew he would explain it so. <clears throat> well you know for our dear listeners yeah well that too no for matt who's going to mispronounce both of those words in about five minutes i don't even know what you said <laughs> <laughs> entomology and that etymology 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 yeah yeah just done just how are you now to be fair okay so how how is the state of wargaming in the UK? How is it? It's it uh, it's booming at the moment. I mean, the, the, if you if you bring in um, you know so board games in general as well as wargaming, um, it's really big in the UK. They are it's just everywhere you go. I, mean, I went to the um, UK Games Expo early this year, and um, it is packed with, with 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 dozens upon dozens of people. You know, with new board games, with new war games, with new things coming out, there's almost I think I, I, I think something like Kickstarter may have all you know helped out with this because people who previously couldn't have started a game have now got a route to potentially sell it, market it. I think the problem is now you'd almost say there's too much good stuff out there, you know, yeah, and you just can't see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's market. Maybe there's more people starting to play than there used to be. Um, yeah, there's a, but it is it is it is certainly very big out here, and there's a lot more who play a lot, a lot more stuff out there. Just a look at the number of games. So it's only war gaming, but the number of games companies out there, all producing new games. I mean, yeah, I can think of probably yeah, a couple of dozen that have been produced this past year alone. It's uh, it's it's certainly big, but I guess that's because if uh, maybe there's the size of the country comes into it. You know, it, you know, if you want, if I wanted to get to, you know. Uh, some of the uh, the expos and conventions yeah, within a sort of probably six hour drive will cover probably ninety percent of them. A couple of in Scotland I couldn't get to that quickly, but most of them you can get to pretty quickly. Um, you know, I guess in America, you know, where you've got your big convention, you know, that could be you know a two hour flight away. Yeah, two hour yeah. flight, twelve hour drive. Um, yeah. So, so it's a lot easier to get to the country here because it's all obviously the market's bigger in America, but again, perhaps the distance may be a uh, an issue. Sure is. I don't even want to fly out to see Matt's ass. 
I, dude, I don't want to drive to see Matt's ass. <laughs> I'll go like drive to see Matt, but he's I don't closer. Know. <laughs> <laughs> He moved closer. He still doesn't want to come out and see my ass. I've obviously, obviously missed a bit where you discussed what was so good about Matt's ass. You want to go and see <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. That's... Oh, I'm sitting on it. Um... <laughs> I just want to see. I just want to see where it goes all day. I don't know. Oh, well. Polishing a chair. So, okay, so you said you went to UK Game Day. Is that what? You Games called? Expo. Yeah. Games Expo. Is is that more of a? Um, is that more of a, like a a, a gaming show where you go to, uh, play games. Or is it more of a show where you see new games being introduced? Um, the, the, it's more of the latter. There, there are games you can people go buy. There, there is a, um, some stuff aside. People go and play. There's a big um, role-playing thing happens in, at the same time in the, the, the big hotel next door. Um, there are some games you can play, but it's mostly about um, you know it's an exhibition. It's games people have generated. You know, come and see my new game on this whatever it may be come and have a go at it um, it's much more showing with that and it, it, it's more I would say it's probably 80% board games 20% wargaming um, I just think because in that environment a board game is often an easier thing and a, sh a quicker thing to do you're not, you're not going to sell someone a you know a huge big four hour game or something they're not going to be there to demo it you just need a time to get around there there are some small right. wargaming stuff some of the skirmish stuff is starting to come in um, but um, yeah it's more but it's yeah it's, it's definitely about um, you know, people saying, "Hey, I've done this thing." You know, back me on Kickstarter now. And so it's it for for uh, us in the United States, it's more like um, Origins than it is Gen Con, <clears throat> where it, it's companies showing off the new stuff, which is also done at Gen Con. But Gen Con started off as a kind of like salute. You know, yeah, yeah. you go there. To commiserate with your buddies and, and and see the games being played or get you know so, get into so let me let me see decks. if I got this right. So what you're saying is it's let's say I have a game where the, the purpose of the game is to eat a jelly donut. Yeah. So Ooh, if, if I if I had this if I had this game and I wanted to show it off, I would go to this expo. If I had yes. this game and I wanted to run play like like play demos. It'd be something else. No, no, you could you could do demos there, but you're you wouldn't have let's say you know uh, all the UK um, donut eating gamers to come in would all pile into UK Games Expo to play you know have a, the uh, the national tournaments or whatever. It's not ah. that sort of level of gaming. Um, most other smaller sort of all the most other sort of conventions tend to be kind of mix of both. So we'll have a a sales area, a demo area, and a gaming area where there are various tournaments going on. I guess it's because some of the game people go, actually, there's going to be a lot of people coming here. A certain proportion of them will play, you know, pick a game of your choice, Test of Honor, spelled with a U. Um, you know, <laughs> so we might as well have a Test of Honor convention uh, at the same time or in the same location. Um, yeah, I know certainly uh, Games Workshop, of course, are fairly huge. Um, yeah, quite often there's, there's, there's Games Workshop tournaments at these sort of events. But there's so many, there is, it's about every other weekend. Um, there is some sort of convention around the UK somewhere. There's a, there's a good stack of them. I say they're not that hard to get to. <laughs> the big big one is Salute in London, um, although others are you know, getting fairly close. So you go to a lot of these conventions, or I, I, no, I do about half a dozen a year. 
Okay. As a trouble, if, I go, if I go, I spend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, see, so a half a dozen a year, way, a half a dozen a year is a lot for, would be a lot for me. I, I don't yeah. even, I barely do one. I mean, yeah, that would be yeah. a lot for me. <clears throat> I, I, I get, go ahead. I, I get to do, well, I, I get to do recruits. Yep. And maybe one other uh, a year. And then, of course, you know the our our private, you know, game days that my brother and I put on each year. Mm-hmm. So, so how far away is recruit for you? What's that? How far away? How far, long does it take to get to recruit for you? Recruits is going to be a four-hour drive. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. if I wanted to, and God help me if I ever say I want to do this, but if I wanted to go to. Uh, to Gen Con, which is in Indianapolis, Indiana now. That's about a five-hour drive. But, yeah. A, I don't want to spend gobs of money because, A, it's expensive to get into. B, it's expensive to stay there. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. jack up the price. Um, you know, you're, you're talking like probably, what, it's a t- tickets to get into the show is like 150 bucks just to get in. And then <clears throat> once you're in... Uh, you still have to pay for a place to stay, and you're looking at probably 150 to 200 dollars a night. And yeah, that that's you know that, that's easily easily becomes a thousand dollar weekend. Yeah, or more. I mean, I, if I, I mean, I can say within within two hours drive of here, um, there's uh, there's Plymouth event, there's Exeter, uh, Newbury, Reading. Uh, London kind of getting close, Bovington, seven, that's what I'm thinking of, uh, Ainsford, Germany has one, that's seven or eight um, within the two-hour drive of here. If I had a four-hour drive, yeah, that's practically, you know, that'd be one a month easily I could get yeah. to within a four-hour drive. And actually most of them, um, most, most of them are one days, and they do tend to be free entry or minimal entry fee. I think Salute's the most expensive one of most, and that's like about £20. Um Twenty-five. So, what is that? Is that about twenty-five, thirty dollars? Twenty-five, thirty dollars. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that's you know. So it's not a huge amount. Yeah, he's got um, a is... sitting in front of him. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's that in um, liters per hectare then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thank you, John. Appreciate it. Just to wrap things up, I have one final question for you. Have you ever gone to one of these uh, like conventions and stuff like that, and you walk in there and somebody looks at you and says, "Hello, governor." <laughs> no, for fuck's sake! Yes, all of them. That's how we greet each other. Ignore, yeah. ignore him, John. He's a simple. Yeah, man. yeah. Oh, hello, man. Governor. It's all right, mate. How you doing? Come and have a game. Yeah, let's go. Because they all talk like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> all right, John. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, that was our show. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us comments and tell us how we did. And last but not least, from me to you. Ta-ta! And I will catch you in the next War Room Ramble.